0: to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today in the hot seat is a special guest by the name of Aiden Nepalm, and she is phenomenal. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her. So Aiden Nepalm is a TEDx and keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, podcast host, and award-winning performer who has taught thousands of executives, industry leaders, and individuals the simple yet powerful steps to communicate well. Aiden's unique combination of immediately actionable communication tools and improv techniques give audiences a hands-on interactive experience that make a lasting difference in organizational culture, relationship, and collaboration. So without further ado, let's welcome this communication master and expert, Aiden Nipalm.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here, Genesis.
0: My pleasure, Aiden. And before we dive in to our secret sauce, which is definitely going to be really understanding that um, interpersonal communication styles, styles as well as skills or however someone wants to see it. But also being mindful of inclusive workplace behaviors, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. And I'm sure you've done your due diligence and you know what's next. So are you ready?
1: I'm, I'm ready. I still don't know. Are you still giving people a choice? Because I still don't know what I'm going to choose. So you're going to have to ask me the question.
0: Yes. <laughs> do you want to do a rapid fire 10 question game or an icebreaker?
1: It is so tough to choose this because I've listened to a few of your episodes and they're both super fun. Um, and coming from an improv background, I'm like, oh, which one's going to be the most fun? All right, let's do uh, let's do 10 questions. I think rapid fire is an interesting challenge, and be, I already have failed to be concise, so we'll go on this journey together.
0: Amazing! So, here's my singing. We're playing rapid fire with Aiden and Genesis. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> Question <laughs> number 1. What is your happy place?
1: Um the beaches of Kauai.
0: Ooh. Question 2. Would you rather a dream car, dream home, or if you're like me, hey, who says you can't have it all? Let's go big and have both. <laughs>
1: dream home dream car or both yes yeah both i don't know why
0: (laughs) question three favorite food
1: um i'm i'm just a massive fan of fresh fruits and vegetables in in most shapes sizes and textures Hmm.
0: question four names so your name is aiden what is the meaning behind your name
1: Oh, I love this. Um, so my name, Aiden, is Hebrew. Uh, in Hebrew, Gan Eden is Garden of Eden, but my middle name, Natanya, is God Gave. So the the what my dad was going for when he chose this name was God gave paradise. So that if somebody was like, who do you think you are? God's gift, I could be like, well, my dad thought I was. <laughs> Also, I have a second middle name, Ruth, which is my mother's mother who passed away before my mother was ever married. So I also have some family tradition embedded in my name.
0: That is super cool. And I think names are so important. And as I begin to embark upon my motherhood journey, it's like I'm looking up names and the meanings behind them because I want to form like a sentence and just have Um, my child live up to that name because they say sometimes you are what you're called but Mm -hmm. I want to I want to let my child know that there's significance with why we named you what we what we named you and we didn't name you something crazy
1: (laughs) you know we put a lot of weight on the responsibility of coming up with a name but I do think that um there's something to it. You know, there is, there's identity attached to the name you grow up with. Aiden traditionally is a boy's name. And I do think that growing up with a boy's name gave me some advantages in life that I am not ready to part with, if I'm being honest. So um, I struggle with having the, like, that one of the moves people are doing in, in the honor of inclusivity is including their pronouns in their emails. And there's a good argument for doing it. But I am reluctant to do that because it takes away some of the advantage I have from my own ambiguity as a name.
0: Super cool. I like that twist on it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: five, I can tell you like color and I love the colors that you're wearing. So what is your favorite color?
1: Um, Bright. If it's a bright color, I'm interested. <laughs> Um, My second favorite color is muted earth tones.
0: (laughs) Question six, you just hit the lottery, but you must contribute to three charities of your choice before the remainder of your proceeds are released so what charities are you contributing to.
1: Uh, This is challenging for me to answer in a a short way. And that is because some of the charities that I previously would have selected, I have since learned have some shady practices. Um, And so I'm in the process of looking for new places to point stuff towards. Currently, the Children's Health Defense Fund is a place that I am actively sending funds to because I believe so strongly in protecting the health of children.
0: I like that. And I like that you're actually being diligent on paying attention where your money is going and the impact that that organization has. And Mm -hmm. are they really walking it like they're talking it? Right. Question seven. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be?
1: Recreate as in like stage a play of my life or create a tableau on the wall? What do we mean? Recreate, relive.
0: Yeah, you could relive or you could um, change it, like alter it a little bit so it could have like a different Mm -hmm. outcome. So I'll leave that up to you. Let's have fun here.
1: I wouldn't change a thing at any point in my life to date because uh, that has made me who I am and given me the tools that I have and the skills that I'm able to share. So I would keep everything the same, but a fun moment to relive would be the moment my husband proposed to me. It's a fun story. I enjoy going there in my mind all the time. So it would be fun to live it in real time one more time.
0: Oh, well, I'm gonna make that question eight. So question eight, how did your husband propose to you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my husband and I are both performers. We both take improvisation and put it out into non-improv contexts. I work in interpersonal dynamics in the workplace and he works in science communications. Um, So he helps scientists with their messaging. But we met at a professional conference for people who do what we do. And there are lots of applications, lots of people there. And so that's where we met. We had this relationship. We were together for a while. And we were long distance because he was in my home state of Oregon, and I was still living in Texas, where I performed with this group, Girls, 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 improvised musicals um, for years and years. And that's, that, that, those are the performance awards that I hold, are, are awards that I share with those very talented women. We earned those awards together. So uh, once I had moved to Oregon to be in this relationship, um, I still flew back to Texas regularly to get my hair cut to do some work and to rehearse with these women so I was at least every couple months in Texas and then they put the conference where we originally met in Texas and so we both went to Texas and he got, he got the idea like this was the time to propose so we're at the conference and they have this big evening performance and he goes, here, hold my camera. You're going to want this. And the next thing I know, I see him coming out on stage with no shirt on. And there's like this parade of men. And I got angry because I was like, I, I had been very clear that a proposal should be a private moment, but as performers, this one didn't belong to the audience, and. And then it wasn't about me at all. It was it was a false alarm. That had nothing to do with me, and I had this total panic. So the whole that that uh, that evening, the conference comes to a close for the night. We go have dinner. We go home. We go to sleep. And the whole time, I keep talking about, "Oh my God, I thought you were going to propose, and what a terrible thing that would have been." And I just keep talking about it. But it was his plan to propose that weekend, and he did the next day when I was at rehearsal with this group of women which was a high priority for me and they were in on it but I didn't know so they were like let's all take a picture with our award we just won and we're all like posing for this picture and they're like ah we need a photographer we need somebody to come take this picture and then my husband shows up and I was confused I was like what's happening why are you here you know and and they hand him the camera and he's he's acting weird but like he's taking this picture and then <laughs> finally they like form this it's like a stage picture they like form this circle around me and he proposes and because of the night before i thought that this also was a false alarm so I accused him of messing with my head. Like I, instead of being like, oh, I, I don't know, can I use grown-up language on this podcast?
0: I'll allow it for the context of the story because it's so good. I'm over here drinking my water burger. <laughs>
1: <drink>. <laughs> because here's what I said, Um, and you know, sensitive ears beware. I'm about to drop some f bombs. So he. <laughs> He gets down on one knee and I go I just automatically blurt out are you fucking with me right now <laughs> this is not how I normally talk in the world like I just was so c- confused and he goes no I'm very serious will you marry me and then I responded with fuck yeah I will and that is recorded on video so he had had somebody recording this on video because because his thought was to send it to our families as an announcement.
0: Oh, wow.
1: But then (laughs) he couldn't send that out to our families as an announcement because I dropped a whole bunch of F-bombs real quick. And I would do it exactly the same way all over again, because every time uh, I'll ask him something at home, we have a lot of jokes at home because we come from an improv comedy background. uh, It's become one of our inside jokes. So I'll be like honey, will you unload the dishwasher? It'll go, fuck yeah, I will. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that is the story of how we got to Engaged. And then I went directly from there to perform in a show um, I had planned that night. So I, you know, I had a red face just from all of the crying from being so happy. And then I went and made up a musical about a vampire high school that night, which is also on video.
0: Interesting, interesting yeah. answer. And I'm so glad I asked that. That <laughs> so, number nine. This one's gonna be easy. Okay. Since you lived in Texas, you know everything is bigger in Texas. <laughs> and for those of y'all listening, we don't all ride horses. We don't all live on barns or any of that country bunking stuff. There are people that do that, but not me. Uh, what was your favorite Texan meal?
1: Oh, breakfast tacos. Really? Heck yeah. Breakfast tacos. I grew up uh, in a part of the world where everyone has breakfast burritos. And quite frankly, it is too much food. A breakfast taco, you can really regulate your breakfast size. You want a light breakfast? Just have one taco. You want a lot of variety? Get three tacos with three different things in them. It's just breakfast tacos are a genius invention. And I miss them a great deal.
0: Amazing. And question 10. It's our pass or play question, Aiden, and here's how it works. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to pass to you. I want to ask you a question.
0: Okie dokie. What's your question?
1: Um, what is, what's your favorite breakfast or sorry well now we'll say breakfast because that's the word I blurted out I was going to say what's your favorite Texas meal but what's your favorite breakfast
0: oh so breakfast I love waffles with eggs and I have to have some bacon but I only can eat bacon when my husband is not around because he does (laughs) not eat pork so he's not down with the swine and then I guess like a favorite um Texas dish I love spuds so those are like a baked potato with like loaded chopped beef and y'all I'm such a fatty but I have to watch what I eat that's why I have to work out so I don't be so I'm not big as a freaking house and I love like the sour cream the cheese the chives the bacon bits all of that on it and yes it looks like a potato that a man will eat and I could eat the whole freaking thing
1: Well, that sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> Thank you for playing rapid fire. So we're going to dive into your jam because I'm eager to hear your take on inclusive workplace behaviors, as well as that interpersonal communication skills skills because mm-hmm. and I would say styles too because in order to have skills you need to be able to adjust your interpersonal communication styles because there's various ways to have interpersonal communication in my opinion especially coming out of corporate America and a male-dominated field, I was in oil and gas for 12 years and it really does drain you
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. The interpersonal skills, interpersonal styles, interpersonal behaviors, they're really all different ways of saying how do we interact and how do we want to show up and interact with each other so that we can get the results that we want to get, right? The the purpose for communicating well is so that we get the outcomes we're looking for. The purpose of creating an inclusive environment is because you want to hold on to your employee base. Um, I would love to say that everyone is motivated by just being their best selves, but actually that's not what motivates a large proportion of the population uh, to, to take on certain... Uh, actions, changes, and traits. So, you know, you really do want to to think about what, what are we really talking about here, and I think that that's it.
0: Yeah, and when you think about inclusivity, like we've heard since, you know, the pandemic, because we've seen what had happened with the recent movements, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Stop Asian Hate, plus the Me Too movement started to make another circle. It felt as if those um, companies were just jumping on the bandwagon and using it as D-E-I-M-B as a check the box versus making it really evident in the workplace. And from the inside looking out as well as from the outside, now that I'm not in corporate America looking in, it felt like they were just doing it as a tactic, but they weren't really doing it to make it stick. What's your Mm -hmm. thought around that?
1: It just depends on the company, right? So for some companies, and I've worked with a lot of folks around DE&I initiatives, um, the, the intent behind the action was completely genuine. They were genuinely trying to foster a culture of belonging in their work environment because they, they were new companies, for example, new companies were really ripe for this. They want to start on the right foot they want to keep their talent because they don't have a lot of resources to spend on recruiting they want you know it's like there's a lot of great reasons for why people care deeply about this um and on the flip side of that there were a lot of companies that were like oh it seems like if you don't do this then people get mad at you so i guess we have to now um which is a bit of social contagion a bit of social pressure and i i'll be honest with you i I feel like there's a trend, uh, I don't know if it's worldwide, I don't wanna extrapolate out that largely, but it does seem like there's a trend locally to our country anyway, where people really believe that in order for uh, the rest of the population to do the right thing, we have to get angry at them and and pressure them into doing the right thing. Uh, And what I would suggest is the result of that is you get these really hollow initiatives that cause more harm than good so rather than put all of this intense pressure on hey be inclusive so you're not a jerk and if you don't do it we're going to hate on you like which is also arguably a very exclusionary behavior um you you run into that problem and, and it's a challenging problem there are other ways right we all know that the impact of voting with your dollar. We all know the impact of, uh, when great companies lose great people. So, you know, like many things in life, the issue of why people wanted to have these initiatives is complex. That being said, creating a sense of belonging in the workplace is pretty simple. Um, at least on paper, you know, everything, when it comes to human behavior takes practice, it's never a finished product, you know, but on paper, they're really simple skills. They're kind of like, I make this joke a lot that when it comes to great communication, a lot of the stuff that you'll learn, like in a workshop, or you'll read a book, there are a lot of it's like, well, duh. Listening good makes me a good leader, but well, duh. But actually becoming a well-practiced listener and understanding what you are listening for. What are people's motivators, for example? What do they need to be successful in their work so that you can get your initiatives accomplished? These are the things that you're listening for. Um, and you can do that in a way that is is human and relatable. And you can can build relationship along the way. So you, there's nuance involved every step of the way, but those are some of my thoughts about that. I'll pause there.
0: I like I like that because what I heard was just really lis- listen but actively listening and don't listen just to respond but listen to learn and educate yourself and see where the other person is coming from and part of that is having compassion, having empathy, seeing, okay, is there anything that I have internally? Is it an unconscious bias or is it a perception that I have that I need to work on? And sometimes you could very well get that by listening because sometimes when you think about leadership and you think about if you're a manager and you have maybe those direct reports and they're coming to you about a subject or they're coming to you about a change and you're just listening because you want to get on to the next thing, then you are dismissing and devaluing what that person just told you. And that's a part of your interpersonal communication mm-hmm. style as well as skill, because you didn't really listen to make sure you actively heard what that, what that person said. You listen to say, okay, yeah, I heard you out. Now, on to the next at least from my experience having gone from the bottom of the t- the bottom to the top of the total pole and then back to the bottom then all the way up to the top and it and it's hard sometimes and it definitely does take skill but it also takes you taking some time to really self reflect and analyze where you are within your journey and it's okay mm-hmm. to say okay i'm not perfect but i'm going to work on enhancing my skills
1: absolutely and i you know i think it's an interesting thing, this idea that like um, we want to listen with empathy it, in terms of practical terms. So like the average person who, who, if you were to ask them, are you a good listener?" This might be a little different now because there's so much pressure on the skill, but the average person just a few years ago, if you would have like done it in a live room, I would have people raise their hands. How many of you would say, or have been told you're a good listener the apologies I don't know if you can hear the rolling furniture above me um you know are you a good listener people will raise their hand because they've been told they've been a good listener or they feel like they listen good but when we're in the workplace what we're talking about are listening for really specific things so you know and it's not always I think the listening with empathy the word empathy is confusing as well because what that can lead to is leaders who are like Oh, I guess I'm supposed to be best friends with everybody I work with, and I'm supposed to understand everybody's personal life and make room for people to bring their personal um, problems to the workplace, which is time consuming. But I've told I'm supposed to do it, and it, it's it's a choice when to listen, what to listen for, how to listen. All of this stuff is a choice, and there's costs to doing things in a particular way. There are benefits to doing things in a particular way, so. The cool thing in my mind about this idea of inclusivity in the workplace and belonging in the workplace is when it comes to work in my mind, and there's research to back this up, what really helps people feel like they belong is when they're able to make a positive impact in the work that they do. So the nice about that. The thing that I think is relieving is all of these terms that feel confusing, like listening with empathy or emotional uh, intelligence or all these things that feel confusing. You can just boil it down to make room for people to bring their best ideas to the table. And then when they bring them to you, do something with them. I mean, for my money, that is the best way, the bubba best way to, to really bring people into their seats at the table, as opposed to saying, pull up a chair, if you can, you know, so I think it's simpler than people make it out to be. It's a lot less complicated than people make it sound. And it really just takes that practice of going, okay, when people bring me their ideas, how do I react? And how do I ask people for ideas? Like, how am I showing up in that realm as well? Who?" Am I asking those ideas from? So if you can answer those questions and identify the little tweaks that you can make um, so that people want to come bring you ideas, then that's then you're in good shape, I think.
0: And I like the way that you boiled it down to the simplicity and you didn't make it feel like drawn out and elaborate because then some people may check out. So based on the work that you're doing, Aiden, what are some other ways that people could um, enhance their interpersonal communication skills?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think it is worth putting in time and practice to try doing things in a different way. I think, um, if what you are doing isn't working, if you keep getting feedback that something isn't working, it's a useful habit to explore that with the people who are bringing that feedback to you, to explore it with curiosity. Get really, really curious. So, for example, if somebody says, somebody's talking to you, and in the middle of that sentence, the conversation, they're like, you always do this, you always dismiss what I'm saying, or you always whatever, instead of, explaining defending or bailing out of that conversation that's an amazing opportunity for growth and i know it takes some energy and i know it takes some mental effort to take a deep cleansing breath and go tell me more but man when you do that that is a that is a game changer because people will tell you where you have room for improvement now just because one person tells you you need that you always do something and that one person says here's what you need to change it um just because one person does that, I would not say that that necessitates action, but I do think it necessitates now uh, paying attention to see if it comes up again. Um, if you're getting the same feedback again and again and again, that's a big that's a big signal that you have some work to do on that specific area.
0: I like that, and I like the fact that you that you mentioned taking a big deep breath, so you could calm down and respond in a way that is proactive, not reactive, because the way you respond when someone gives you feedback can either shut down the conversation, Mm -hmm. it could de-escalate it, or it could escalate it, because then you may be responding back out of emotion and just anger, because you're like, I don't do that, Like, Mm -hmm. and then your tonality in your voice, your body language and et cetera, can make that other person feel like, man, I'm just trying to help him or her, but look at the way that they're responding to me. So then the next time they're not going to tell you anything and by them not telling you anything, that could be very well what helps you you know, develop personally and professionally in the workspace that you're a part of. So we have to see feedback as a gift with a tiny bow on it or a huge bow. And if it applies to you, thank the person that they cured enough. And if not, just put it in you know, your treasure chest. So whenever a situation does arise where you do need that feedback, just go in there and say, oh, look at this gift. Let me pull this out and apply it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, I'm going to caveat all of that. I agree with you the way you describe that, but I'll caveat all of it with some, some of you watching or listening to this, um, will identify as the kind of person who knows, who already knows that your knee jerk reaction to feedback just kind of is what it is. And that you've practiced, you've tried being really curious in the moment. You've tried being a good sport, all the things that you like it, the well-done stuff that, you know, you're supposed to be doing, but you're still not doing it because you just know that's just not you. There are other ways that you can create that for yourself and it's worth exploring and practicing and experimenting um, because it'll benefit you. So for example, uh, I have a colleague who's in an executive executive position who knows that her knee jerk reaction when somebody brings her an idea that doesn't make sense to her is to turn it down. (laughs) It doesn't, it's like the idea doesn't make sense. So no, just. No, that's the habit is to go, no. But she also knows that when you say no to people a bunch of times, they do one of two things. They stop bringing you their ideas and they also will do, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, they will also do a thing where um, they'll just go around. Like if they don't have to go to you, they'll just go around you. So it's worthwhile to, to do something about a habit like that. Now she tried, stopping her habit, saying no to her, no, and be like, I'm going to yes. And everybody, because yes. And is so hot right now. But actually, what she needed to do was to simply thank people for their input and ask for time to respond. And then she was able to actually look at ideas for what they were worth. She's able to come back later and say, I have a few questions and really explore an idea with somebody. And then if she needs to turn down the idea, she's able to say, all right, after looking at this with you, after thinking about it, weighing it a little bit, here are the reasons why this idea is the wrong idea for this time, place, moment, opportunity, whatever. And in doing that, she's able to still have that flow, that communication with that person and practice curiosity by simply buying herself the time and saying, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I need a little time to reflect. Can I follow up with you in a few days? So if you know you're the person who automatically does that, you hear feedback and you're like, no, I'm not. Maybe you can cultivate the habit of buying yourself some time to get curious. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I need some time to reflect
0: love that caveat and if you could if you could see me I was like cracking up because I was that I was that that girl for so long where I would just shut things down mm-hmm. and it was like I'm the supervisor. We're drilling these million dollar wells a day. We don't have time to muck Mm -hmm. up. And I literally had to clean up my vocabulary because working in oil and gas in a male dominated field, you hear a string of curse words and you just want to be that boss, babe to get stuff done. And you don't want to screw up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm acting just like the men that I said, I did not want to act like, and it Mm -hmm. was like, okay. I then had to come up with my own approach, kind of like the caveat you were saying, um, Aiden, and I had to think about it and pause and get back to the, get back to the person. So I had to do a mesh of what I explained with seeing feedback as a gift, as well as sometimes, like if it, especially if it was an engineer where I just felt like I could just punch his lights out, I would just say, well, let me get back to you on that. Or I love that, but let's table this conversation for later. And I'll get mm-hmm. back to you because sometimes like, oh my gosh, like they would say the dumbest things and I already did the analysis and I knew it wasn't going to work, but then I didn't want to shut them down because then it would make me just like one of those guys that I hate right. <laughs> and hate is a very strong world word, dislike their behaviors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. At this point, I'm not opposed to strong words. I feel like I feel like they have a time and purpose and place, just like everything else. Um, I feel like we worry so much about our vocabulary anymore, um, our idioms, our expressions that human, just human connection, is becoming harder and harder every day. So you know, there is a. T- I believe strongly there is a time and a place for those things. The important thing to learn is when. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the important thing to practice is, is noticing and reading the room. Like, you know, like the number of times that I've been told that somebody was worried because they were pulled into a workshop on belonging or, or it was called an inclusivity workshop or an worse, an inclusivity training. Um, that's going to cause 50% or more of your audience to shrink into a little ball and be afraid that they're going to be made into villains. So You know, the number of times I've experienced that is a lot. And if we want to be inclusive and we really want to be inclusive, we need to find ways to have those hard conversations with people who are like, I don't want to give up having a sense of humor out on the work site, for example, or I don't want to give up uh, the hard time we give each other. We have all these laughs on the team. So with the skill what you need to teach them actually is to read the room. (laughs) That's the skill they need. That's what's missing. Because you're like, oh, yeah, joking around is awesome. Everybody loves to joke around. But can you tell the difference when somebody's courtesy laughing or really laughing? Do you, have you learned that?
0: That's a good point. And I want to ask this question and then I'm going to throw you an audible here. Um, So I want you to think about body language and how important is body language because that is a way of communicating because if someone's talking to you and you're you're rolling your eyes, your your shoulders are tensed up, you're looking off, you're fiddling or whatnot, Mm -hmm. I feel like that can send the wrong... notion to the person that is communicating with you or sometimes if I would be in a meeting and I knew I had like a lot of things going on in the unit like if it wasn't my time to speak sometimes I glance down I'll look at my phone and I'm doing it as an example and that was communicated to my boss that I was checked out but she didn't really even understand, okay, that I was over here trying to answer emails that were pertaining to something that was time sensitive. And I didn't really need to be in that meeting. So whenever I became in a supervisor's position, I'll just um, add this really quick. I felt like Um, One, one way that one of the guy engineers taught me was like, he's like, whenever we start a meeting, we're going to go down the roster and I'm going to call out each person. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, what value do you have to add to this meeting? And if you have no value or no updates, you're dismissed. So you could go work on something else. And I felt like that's how she should have ran. She should have ran her meeting because it's like, okay, you want me in this meeting, but my role right now is being a raw material coordinator for polypropylene. So I'm sourcing the plastics and I need to know what's going on in the unit. When are my trucks coming? Is there something that we need to shift on the grade wheel or whatever, but you have me sitting in this dumb, a meeting that is not adding value to me or my team. So from your expertise, how important is body language?
1: (laughs) That's a great story. Um, So first, before I answer the question about body language, I would just want to briefly say how interesting I think that approach is to running a meeting that you would have people take that moment to check in at the beginning of the meeting uh, to decide whether or not they have value to offer there. I would suggest that in creating an environment of belonging and inclusion, there is a watch out in that method, because it would be the kind of thing that people could run through a lens. Those who are feeling shaky and insecure and already don't feel like they have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. But if they don't say they have something of value to offer that they're going to be excluded from future opportunities. So an upgrade to that approach, which I like in, in theory, because I agree that people who aren't there to contribute shouldn't be asked to spend the time. An upgrade would be to give people permission to push back on meeting invites. Don't assume because you have the time available in your calendar, and that you've been asked that actually it's the right meeting for you to be at. Um, if the invite isn't clear about what your role will be at that meeting, find out and then make a choice. And that's, a, that's from the leadership down to say you have permission to push back on meeting invites at our organization. Um, it is much more challenging for people who report up to be like, this is what I'm doing now. That being said, it's still a conversation that could be had from the pr- perspective of leading up, it's still a doable thing. It just has to be approached more carefully. Um, but to your question about body language, it, it does matter, but there's a cheat. I'm gonna give you guys this cheat. So in improv training, we learn, we learn the power of how our thoughts affect how we show up in the way we train to develop our characters. Um, and we have a, a training exercise that's a silly one that's really fun, uh, where we'll like, on a slip of paper, someone will come whisper it to you. Um, they'll say something like, you have curious fingertips or you have angry feet. And you learn how just that that little prompt changes your body language, changes how you show up, changes your personality because we're doing made up characters. Um, and here is how that translates to work. Uh, it's a really fun exercise. Feel free to play it with your kids. We'll get a real kick out of it. But um, here's how it translates at work. Uh, the messages that we are telling ourselves about the person that we are speaking with and about the, the ourselves and about that moment affect our body language and how we show up. So when people are telling themselves, I'd rather be anywhere but here, this is a waste of my time well, this is stupid, those people will tend to find ways to occupy their time because whatever is happening in the meeting feels like a waste. And you will see those people checking emails, p- picking their fingernails, spacing out, making text messages. Uh, you know, I was going to say making phone calls, but that's not right. It's sending texts. Um, and so that's what you'll see at worst. And at best, you will just feel disconnected. Likewise, a person who says, I'm here to offer value, and I'm going to find a way to do that, they show up with eye contact, and they lean in to listen, and they know what's happening, and they're present. So our thoughts affect our body language they, from the majority of people, our thoughts will affect our body language. Now, that's not to say that there are some folks who may be somewhere on the spectrum that wouldn't benefit from learning how to walk through certain specific body language traits, um, so that they can show up in a way that people who are, um, more on the like standard side of the scale can feel like they're being heard. Um, but that's a different, that's a different ball of wax for the large majority of people in the workplace, simply addressing thoughts will help. And for the rest, understanding, you know, taking the time to learn, okay, all those nuances of body language are helpful, um, so that you can show up in a way that allows you to be more easily heard when you have something to say. Uh, But you know, the idea that the large majority of people should somehow change our natural inclinations, you know, it stems from this thing of, evolutionarily speaking, we all want to feel like somebody's with us. And if they're not with us, we assume they're against us. And that's a self-preservation thing. So when we see people are checked out, we feel undervalued. It's a whole like, uh, you know, emotional cycle that can lead to conflict. So it is worthwhile to check your thoughts. And again, I'm a big fan of taking that cleansing breath and noticing where, where are you at right now? What, what message are you giving yourself? Um, anecdotally, I was giving a training once with a couple of colleagues and we had just taught this idea and, uh, we had moved on to the next thing we We're three of us facilitating and one colleague is talking and myself and another co-facilitator are getting ready for the next exercise. And he looks at his smartwatch and he sees the time and he, and he comes back to me and he goes, uh, we're not going to get out of here until three 30 traffic is going to be awful. And I go, we have literally just gone through this, how you think affects how you show up. And I, I look at him and I go, what are your thoughts right now about that? <laughs> he goes, mm, busted. And we just do it. It's just a natural thing we do. But if you take that pause and notice, then you can make a conscious choice about it that can be helpful.
0: I love those. And those are all valuable tips. And I'm actually going to try that um, exercise with my husband. Write me something on a piece of paper and whisper it in my ear. (laughs) But I definitely want to throw you an audible, Aiden, because I know we went a little bit over. So is there anything else you want to add to the conversation? And if not, we'll jump into the call to action that you have for the audience.
1: Sure. So um, yeah, just final thoughts here. When it comes to creating a culture of belonging. For those of you who who have a particular image in your head, uh, a movie that plays or a soundtrack you hear, whatever it is it you've read about what that means, I want you to know that creating a culture of belonging can be so much simpler than all of that. The, the skills that it takes to just have a productive conversation with a person so that not so that you feel like you got your point across but so that they feel like they got theirs that's really all it takes. When people's ideas are present, when they have an opportunity to feel heard, mission accomplished, people just wanna feel like they can bring their best to the table. And so that is a win for everybody.
0: And who does not like to win?
1: Everybody likes to win.
0: So Ada, what's your call to action for our audience? What is it that you want them to do, whether it's a challenge or plugging your contact information? put all of that in the call to action.
1: <laughs> okay. Um you know, I don't have a specific thing that I need from anyone in this audience right now, but what I will say is if you want more of what I have to share, if you enjoy what I have to say and you like my thoughts, uh you can find me Aiden Neepom Art of Change on YouTube where you'll find uh a video clips from my podcast, The Changed Podcast, uh, a few tasty treats from a few workshops or, or talks I've given over the years. And, uh, and so that's one way to find me. Uh, You can learn all about everything that I have to offer. If you want to bring me into your organization, or if you want to help one-on-one to polish these skills, you can find everything about me at artofchange.com.
0: Amazing. And there you have it, listeners and viewers. I told you we were in for a treat. Aiden Nepalm. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So make sure you read, scroll on down and tap in with her. Go support what she's working on. And don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. And you could also see this video recording on our YouTube channel by going to gems, G-E-M-S, with Genesis of Mars camp until the next episode, next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel. GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S with W I T H Genesis G E N E S I S Amaris A M A R I S Kemp K E M P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, Your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.